Okay, so hey everyone and welcome back to another episode of The Fall Global. This is where we connect with global first entrepreneurs, HR and talent acquisition experts from all around the world. Our guest today is Adam Redlick, founder at Redlick Talent Advisors. Adam, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Ben. Nice to be here. Sure. Uh, Adam, uh, you've been in talent acquisition for over 30 years, I guess, including those significant roles at Google and some other well-known companies. So could you maybe provide uh, our listeners with a brief summary of your career and how it has shaped your perspective on the industry? Sure. So don't don't let my boyish good looks fool you i've been i've been working in here in talent acquisition and people operations for uh it'll be 33 years 34 years next year um so 33 and a half years um i break my experience down into three chunks um the first the first decade was san francisco bay area um half agency recruitment then i moved internally where i learned and 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 honed my craft um then google hired me in 2003 to build out their southern california uh engineering presence at the time google had 1100 employees across three offices worldwide and i joined and spent the next six and a half years um, playing a key role on Google's talent acquisition team where I built out their Southern California presence and then was promoted, moved to New York and ran engineering recruitment for the Northeast, meaning uh, New York, Boston, Waterloo, um, and Pittsburgh. I then, um, after, after six and a half years, Google had grown and was now th- and now had 35,000 employees and 25,000 temps and contractors with an office in every city on the planet. I like, I'm a growth stage guy and Google became the enterprise. So at that point in, um, in uh, 2010, I left Google and have been focusing on venture and growth stage companies with complete responsibility for talent and people functions. Um, earlier this year, I launched Redlick Talent Advisors, which is a, a people and talent consultancy where uh, I work to either refine existing strategies, processes, and programs or lay the foundation for successful talent acquisition and talent management. Essentially, at Redlick Talent Advisors, we enable hire and retain staff in a structured, streamlined, and efficient manner. Uh, and speaking about your company, so Redlick Talent Advisors offers uh, a wide range of services, from setting up a chart to talent mapping. So, but. I'm curious, what service do you think businesses often underestimate and why is it important for for their success? Um, I think two, the recruitment, right? People people tend to think that recruitment is easier than it is. Founders, you know, fa- founders have a great idea, they're in love with it. They, they think it's they think it's the great it's the greatest thing and can't why anybody would not want to join them on their journey. However, um, you know, when John John Q employee, whether it's an engineer or a, um, a, a marketing professional, may believe in the idea, but isn't as passionate about it and therefore not as um, necessarily willing to jump in head first. And therefore, the, the recruitment process becomes a bit more challenging. The other, I'm sorry, the other, the other um, piece that is underestimated uh-huh. are 
the foundations for retention. And uh, you know, as all, all, you know, as, as as people read, uh, people leave people leave companies either because they are either because of their manager or because they don't they don't see the growth. So it's important for companies to implement programs around. Um, career progression, um, mm -hmm. meaning building talent ladders, build, building uh, job ladders rather, and um, en enabling employees to see the skills that are necessary to move to the next level, as well as things like new manager training and other other programs that that impact employee happiness and engagement. Yeah, and speaking about growth, right? Uh, one of your biggest success is basically when you helped uh, grow a fintech company that is called Octane, right? So by yes. over five hundred percent in three years, that's that's wow. I mean, uh, what key talent strategies, uh, talent acquisition strategies, did you use for this growth? Uh, can you tell more about it? Sure. So initially. Um, you know, when I when I when I first when I first arrived at Octane, they had 125. There were 125 people, and I was brought in because the 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 C-suite realized that from a talent acquisition perspective, what got get them there. When I when I arrived, the time to hire, right? So from rec open to offer accepted, um, was 89 days uh, on average, company wide which is abysmal, um, way, way, way too long. And I, I dissecting the problem, realized that it, that was in large part due to the fact that hiring was completely disjointed and processes varied from department to department and even from role to role. So the first strategy in place was putting structure around hiring, right? And we, we start, we started at Octane where at the at the time a job description is first drafted, right? Um, you know, job, high, hiring managers tend to provide a laundry list of everything under the sun on a job description that um, that they would like a What I what we did there was we broke that down so that only the absolute requirements were listed, and then we built what's called a what we called a success profile, which outline which was a four quadrant grid or is a four quadrant grid that outlines the knowledge, competencies, personal attributes, and um, experience that an individual must have in order in order to be, um, you know, a successful candidate for the role. Um, once we had the success profile, we were able to develop structure, a structured interview so that um, the interview process, regardless of function or role, um, was the same, had the same steps and the same types of interviews. Obviously, the questions were different, but depending on the role, but the um, the structure was around the success profile. So we, we, um, we made sure that in each interview, you know, it started with a, a, the recruiter would screen a candidate, then the hiring team would do a phone interview. And I made it clear that the purpose of the phone interview from the hiring team was not to, was not to determine if, the, if a person was hireable, but instead to determine if the person had a 25% chance of making it through the, call it final interview. And that final interview was a series of interviews. Typically it, it was five sessions one each for each of the quadrants of the success profile and then a fifth a fifth session focused around the candidate's alignment with our company values once the structured once the structured interview was in and following that interview we would have all the interview all the information we needed 
in order to make a hiring decision, yes, no. And um, once, once that was put together, um, we lived our values, so to speak. One of the corporate values at Octane was speed or is speed and ease. And we wanted to make sure that our hiring process mirrored that. So we committed to um, a 24-hour turnaround decision-wise after each step of the process. So a candidate would would complete that, that final interview, that five-session interview I just outlined, and they would know... 90% of the time within 24 hours and that 10%, you know, maybe it was two days, um, you know, but it was, but it was quick where they would know yes or no, whether they were um, going to receive an offer. In one of we were able to move, we were able to, we were able to move, move quicker. Um, mm -hmm. And we reduced that time to hire from 89 days to 30 days. That's awesome. That's really awesome. And in one of your recent podcasts, you talked about uh, Project Tur Turbo Hire. That that's the same comp, the same project, the same right? This yeah. is the same company. Yeah. Yeah. And there you mentioned the, the importance of collaboration between the CTO and the recruitment team. So right. that's something that I'm really uh, interested in because i mean i face this issue all the time with my clients so how did you maintain this collaboration during the project and what tips can you maybe offer for similar challenges okay well let me give you a quick overview of project turbo hire um so project turbo hire was a project we we hired a new cto who called me one who shortly after after joining called me and said that he essentially needed to triple the size of the engineering team the engineering team was 25 people he needed to hire 50 he needed to hire 50 full stack engineers ranging in um, ranging in experience from entry level to director and senior director, right? Um, <clears throat> and then, you know, we, we, the first thing we did was we, we talked about each role and we, uh, in some cases, refined the, re the requirements and the interview process, right? For example, we realized that if, a, if we were interviewing an entry level, <clears throat> excuse me, an entry level engineer, there was no reason to have what we called a resume deep dive because the, the resume wasn't very deep to begin with, right? So we were able to shorten the hiring process and the number of interviews necessary in order to make a hiring decision. Um, and and then at the end of that conversation, um, you know, I thanked him and said I was looking forward to working with him on this project. And he said, oh, P.S., I need it all in 16 weeks, right? So in 16 weeks, we were tasked with hiring these 50 engineers. So, <clears throat> you know, first the first thing we did was you know, as I mentioned, we aligned on the criteria, the competencies, and the expectations of candidates before kicking off the searches. Um, we aligned on the interviewers for each competency, so everybody understood what it was they were going to be interviewing at, for, and how best to uh, how best to measure a candidate's response. Um, and uh, we then we then kick, kick off kicked off the searches, started the process, and had regularly scheduled meetings. Um, they were weekly during Project Turbo Hire with the CTO and the <clears throat> excuse me and the engineering directors um, at Octane to um, to discuss any roadblocks or any any problems and you know celebrate 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 any wins. At the end of that sixteen week period, we ended up we ended up. Um, we ended up overhiring and um, hired hired a, a few more a few more engineers than 
than uh, <laughs> than, than he, he initially bargained for. But we were able to hire uh, we were able to hire those fifty engineers in sixteen weeks without sacrificing quality, and um, you know, we were able to um, to bring in twenty six percent of those of those hires were for on, on, were from underrepresented groups. So it really boils down to that re the regularly scheduled collaboration and alignment up front. And then mm -hmm. regularly scheduled check-ins to write the ship if should anything go wrong. And speaking of that, you know, so when facing the challenge of rapid growth, you will most likely experience times when recruitment and management are not perfectly aligned, right? So maybe you can share a specific uh, example, maybe a time during that project when this alignment wasn't was really tested, kind of, you know, and how you dealt with that. You know, I'd be foolish. I'd, <laughs> I'd be foolish to say there never was a time during this project that that happened. You know, um, there. I, I can't. I can't think of a specific of a specific of a, of a specific example um, where you know something specifically went wrong. The one thing that 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 comes to mind that happens was not so much a specific to a candidate or specific to an interview itself, but more around the interviewers becoming misaligned and not focusing where they needed to focus. So when when that's the case, when when we the recruitment team would would see that um, a particular a particular interviewer wasn't focusing where they needed to focus, which was going to um, cause cause delays in the process, we would have a conversation. We would have a conversation with them to make to you know let them know. However, <clears throat> excuse me. However, as the recruitment you know the recruiter the recruitment team talking to the engineer isn't as valuable as you know when it came from their director or the CTO, and those misalignments were things that were discussed during those weekly check-ins so that we could make sure to write the ship. Got it. Got it. And you mentioned that it's really important for uh such projects to you know to to set up a sort of uh standard uh, interview standards right how did you set up uh the standards and how did you measure their success so we did that so initially that was part of the work that i did you know when and i say i i mean i i the recruitment team it's not just me uh but uh you know that that work that work was done early on during my tenure at at, uh, at at Octane to where we we defined we defined the competencies say for for software engineer senior software engineer staff software engineer etc we defined we defined all of those competencies early on and then when Project Turbo Hire um, was kicking off we took a look at at those success profiles and refined them to make sure that. Um, that we weren't over, um, we weren't searching, we weren't searching for that, uh, that purple unicorn, as they say. Uh, but, um, yeah. And, and how, um, you also mentioned that it is possible to use the same standards for different companies, different roles. And I'm just curious, how would you adapt the interview process to fit different company cultures while keeping uh, the same structured approach it's really you know the structure the structured approach is in fact you know transferable and, and works but it's not a one size fits all right each each culture is going to be different and i think when 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 
discussing interview processes at companies, we need to understand how that company functions, right? At Octane, as I mentioned, we had a separate session for the values interview, right? You know, initially it was, they, they referred to it as culture fit. I changed that from culture fit to values fit because the, the culture was is based on values. And, you know, we want to hire people who share our values, not who share our pastimes right um and and the things the things that typically you know come to mind when one thinks when one thinks of culture at another company however we may the the process could be to they they may want every interviewer to have a piece of that values interview and therefore we could you know it could it, it could the process could be tweaked in the, in that capacity but generally speaking the formula for success remains remains the same it's just a matter of how of it's the strategy remains the same the tactics could be different and and by the way speaking about um speaking about interviewers uh i know that you you also help with building interview teams right and mm -hmm. from 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 my experience it is one of the most crucial i guess elements for success in hiring so how do you pick and train interviewers especially if they do not have experience in hiring uh to, to make sure they always kind of you know uh assesses candidates the same way right and you know that's for for that um that's not my it's not my excuse me it's not my unilateral decision to decide you know who in the company is going to be interviewing um i think a few things are important when when picking interviewers first the person interviewing needs to all all of the interviewers need to be strong um value ambassadors right they need to live they need to live the company values and, and they need they need to understand um they, they they need to exude that sort of that that sort of persona um additionally they need to be they need to they need to be strong uh they need to they need to be strong representatives of the competencies that they're that they're measuring and they need to be a strong performer at the company right if somebody is underperforming or um you know if they're on some sort of um you know, uh, uh, um, skill improvement plan, skill improvement plan, or something. We wouldn't want them interviewing because, frankly, we'd want focused on their on their on their, on their task at hand. But you know, it's really um, a collaboration between the, the, the talent team and hiring team to determine who from marketing is are who from marketing are the most competent and the most uh, the most competent and who would be who would make the, the best interviewers sometimes the most competent the most competent employee does not make the most interviewer because you know sometimes people are are raging introverts and you know they don't necessarily they're not they're not comfortable in that capacity so we're not going to force somebody to interview just because uh okay so let's talk a bit uh a bit about ai right so the, the growing role of ai is definitely reshaping the recruitment landscape you know i know it for sure because we're you know integrating ai in almost all like uh, uh stages uh, of our internal process in, in my company so mm -hmm. what, do you think uh there will come a time when ai might you know fully replace human interviewers you know if so I, how soon? <laughs> I i frankly hope that never happens and the the reason for that 
is around transferable skills, right? There's nothing, you know, AI, for example, early in the pro, you know, a lot of companies are implementing AI in, in the initial resume assessments. And, you know, the, these days, given the, um, given the Armageddon that's happened in the tech landscape in the last 18 months or so, there are so many people applying for every job that it, it, it's burdensome to have, for an individual to have to go through, for humans to have to go through every resume. However, so it makes sense, right? Let's, 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 let's get some AI, they can decide if somebody's a fit. However, what AI misses are transferable skills and, um, a, and a, a, a lack of ability to say, read between the lines on somebody's resume. Not everybody is a strong resume writer, Somebody could be the best in their field, but the worst, the you know, the, the worst writer and the you know the the worst in in encapsulating their experience. So if AI is looking for particular keywords or skill sets on a res on a resume to to weed somebody in or out, they they would they would call it auto-reject people who might be the best candidate, however, their resume is not the best written. So that's that's where AI fails the most. So if AI were to replace humans in the interview, there would be no there there would be while well, there would be no uh, no room for that um, mm -hmm. transferable skill check. But do you see any other potential risks and the the risk of relying heavily on AI? I think you know there's bias, right? And you mm -hmm. know there's bi there's bias with humans. Humans are biased. There's inherent bias biases that people have, and there's unconscious bias biases that people need to um, try and move to the conscious, move from the unconscious to the conscious, and work to um, work to fix. A human can work to fix that, but a but an AI uh, an AI model. Only knows what it only knows what it's trained on. So if it's trained with bias, it's never going to be able to overcome that bias. Where a human can undergo um, uh, unconscious bias training and at least be aware of the biases that they have, and then factor that factor those into um, their decision making. Awesome. Um, let's talk a bit about your uh, global hiring experience. You know, uh, from from your experience, what is the key to successfully managing and integrating a, a global team? So, <clears throat> I think that you know, the, one of the one of the glare no glaring, but one of one of one of the most obvious challenges with um, with a with a global team is the time difference uh, time differences and the uh, the perceived lack of ability to collaborate. Right. However, collaboration does not necessarily collaboration can be asynchronous. Right. And you know, and people can people can collaborate off hours where you know I I uh, I could. Um, express my i could express my point of view and and finish finish my work day and wake up in the morning and find that that team members in other in other geographies have weighed in with theirs right so um that's that's um one of one of the bigger challenges is really um really fostering the the practice of asynchronous communication and kind of, and helping to um, train people or develop people's ability to do so in a productive manner uh, and you know once 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 that's once that's handled 
and you know people agree on working hours and tea and um appropriate times for team meetings um you know and for those one geography should not be the one that's always at fault right just you know not at fault but one geography shouldn't be the one geography that has to have after hour meetings every time right if there's a weekly meeting and it's going to be after hours for a particular geography then we should uh, the company should schedule should schedule those meetings on a rotating basis so that it's it's off hours for everybody equally and somebody isn't isn't pulled out uh, or call, well, somebody isn't called out as having to always gee I always have this 7 a.m. meeting or this 9 p.m. meeting right um, that's because that's that's just not fair and that's not scalable that person that person or those teams are going to find a more localized opportunity and where they can where, where they can have a more structured work life balance. That's true. And probably my, my last question to you. Um, uh, what is your view on the recruitment industry in 2024, especially in the tax space? You know, I think 2023 was not, you know, 2023 was, was not the greatest year, right? It sort of rivaled um, 2000, 2001 in my, and, you know, after the, the first um, internet 1.0 implosion, um, you know, in terms of um, lack of recruitment opportunities, et cetera, et cetera. I'm hopeful for 2024. I believe that, you know, the economic headwinds are slowing a bit and becoming less severe. And I, I believe that companies will pick up hiring once again. One thing that companies seem to be doing seem to be practicing now more so than they had in the past is doing more with less and i don't necessarily see that changing but i think that the um the ability for companies to hire will grow recruitment will therefore you know to sort of start their start to start their start their comeback and you know i'm very optimistic about what 2024 might hold and thank you for that. <laughs> okay, Adam. Uh, thank you for valuable insights on this innovative talent acquisition strategies that you have on navigating uh, challenges in rapid team growth, and on your unique perspective, like uh, for like a twenty twenty four, right? So your experiences and wisdom are invaluable. Uh, wishing you and your team continued success. Thank you. Thank very you much. very much. Thank you, Vin. It's been a, been a pleasure. Thanks for having me.